I think we had um, perhaps um, the good grace due to this um, looking at these two that we could more easily uh, detect them when they came up during our practice and to just face them in that attitude of mindfulness and at, uh, could experience perhaps a little bit of firmness here where we were not uh, wiped away or carried away by thoughts, by these uh, hindrances or by these uh, desires. We could uh, allow them to be in and have distance, yet very close look to them. Who, who experienced a similar, a similar way these things? Good. She's ringing. Well, I should ring. <laughs> Why is that her? Yeah, it's nice. I know she does. I heard her again. And you have fun. You really are very modest, my dear friend. I appreciate that. For the most little thing, you can laugh. So modest. You have great fun with very little things. Not very. Uh, um, greedy or you don't need big things so you have already practiced apparently very well <laughs> modesty <laughs> so were there some oh is she back oh. well I like to wait maybe well maybe not so here we are So I think the next one would be restlessness. We had um, a desire, yeah, desire and um, uh, anger, aversion and all branching, bra branch of, uh, of uh, all, what do you say, seedlings. <laughs> so, and so restlessness, well, there isn't so much to say anymore, um, except realize it that it is a space or a state of mind which is very agitating and it, it moves around in all direction, in all directions, um, and uh, we find ourselves highly uncomfortable, wanting things we don't really know, and um, or we cannot decide. Is a high-pressured state of being, with lots of desires and inability to decide and to go one direction. Hmm? There's also great fear comes with restlessness. I feel to make a decision and to um, you see, there's a subtle upset, isn't it? A restlessness and highly uncomfortable. So that mind has to be examined now in the light of our awareness. And first thing, the Buddha, the teachings say, to concentrate into it. But to concentrate with an agitated mind or restless mind is, is almost impossible unless you kind of pull yourself together in the understanding. The mind needs a focus now. That's what we have to understand. It has many focuses, very fast, 
pressing upon itself or wants to focus. So here it needs a focus where we can hold it, like you are tying the, uh, the, the, the puppy, puppy on, on a leash. Hmm? And so that's the, you have to have a leash now and a pole to which you tie the mind. So the leash is mindfulness and the pole would be the object now. So you may, um, you, it is said to the breath, it's also difficult. Um, one uh, one focus could be one part, an important part of your body. For me, worked always best the feet. And really focus, stand up and make a few steps. If you find yourself in the, in, in, at home, or even somewhere else, by waiting for somebody, or being restless, or being finding yourself waiting for the bus, and, and you know you are missing, already you are too late for your job, and uh, you will get restless. It's a different um, kind of restlessness. Uh, but uh, to, to focus now the mind into one spot, would be where you are standing, there where your feet are in contact with the floor. And your feet are actually always with you, wherever you are, and where, whenever you uh, discover this restlessness. And it can, become, it can overcome us very fast. So, uh, here in our practice, it is uh, often coming um, whilst we sit, and um, it gets born out of that congestedness we feel, or that confinement on the f pillow, on this small place. And um, also it comes um, also from the inability actually to, um, to focus now, but now we shall focus, you see, in order to, to give a halt for that restlessness. So you must really understand, it needs a very special place and it needs um, um, a very great willpower here, the right willpower, understanding if I want to deal with it and not just run to the door, slam the door and say the hell with everything, it's not, I can't stand it anymore. The Im impulse for screaming comes right with it. I suggested once, scream, but go outside and embrace the next tree and, uh, and scream into the bark or bite into the bark. <laughs> that might be a good focus. <laughs> yeah. It sounds funny. Well, the whole thing is funny. When you see what we are doing, it's almost like children playing in the sandbox. Look what we did outside. Only that we have now a real understanding why we are doing it. Children just do it at a certain age that very innocently out of their joy for life. And, and we, um, well, we should do it too, and that occasionally it happens, but mostly we do it in a schlep-schlep attitude. <laughs> till I kind of I'm a little bit calling more, or find another trick to trick you in. It's, it's really wonderful to see what we are doing, how we are 
bringing our efforts forth for this marvelous thing in us which seems to be very close, they tell us, but it is so very far, so unreachable. Hmm? And so, so, so really, so it's nothing left sometimes than to smile, smile in the middle of your restlessness and recollect yourself fast what to do. It needs a pole and the leash for that, uh, tying that mind to that pole, pole you have. It's mindfulness. It's recollecting yourself now. This is what I have to do. I have to give a focus for the mind. Or bite your teeth or the tongue. That's also a good focus. <laughs> or fill your mouth with fresh spring water and don't swallow it. <laughs> and hold it. There's also concentration necessary. Other things, when you are sitting here, you can uh, um, uh, kind of contract through the entire body because it is going like this, and in an embracing, gentle way, and hold yourself. Even hold the breath at that moment. And then gently, let's uh, try it, how that is. Just really uh, tight and uh, pull the head in, into the uh, nape and so the neck and squeeze with your fingers the arms and so the shoulders inside, pull in the belly, squeeze uh, uh, so the muscles of your buttocks and go uh, in the groin and the sexual area, through the thighs, into the kneecaps and uh, the back of the knee and the toes and your eyes squeeze and your tongue and lips, everything in tension. Hold it. Feel the sensations and the heat beginning to radiate as you just very slowly let it release itself and feel it there where it releases. And notice that you are noticing it. <coughs> slowly, slowly. You see, I noticed some are letting go a deep breath. I hope you have noticed it in your flesh, in your body, not pushed it away from your nostrils into the space. So, has it uh, had an effect? It uh, revived uh, the energies all through your body, through all tissues and cells, perhaps, and parts and connections. If you do that five times, and really with, with, from your heart and from your understanding what you are doing and why you are doing it, helping yourself out, being in self-help, that is one characteristic of this practice. You will succeed to bring that irritatedness or small restlessness to a halt or to, uh, to a greater weakness. Well, can you believe that? Would you believe it? That is all what we could really do here. If you are at home, well, you can run, 
make a jogging perhaps. If you have a swimming pool, you jump into the cool swimming pool. Or you have a tree and uh, you can climb up on the tree. Uh, you can do several things to get that restlessness a little bit uh, con uh, 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 narrowed down in its power over us. How does the body feel after this squeeze? Still noticeable? So, continue noticing it. Realize that there is a body sitting and you are listening to Dharma. Also, you have heard that 50,000 times uh, about uh, the hindrances. But if you really listen, you find something which is still new for you and still to discover. And uh, not only to discover, but to learn a little bit more how to deal with these um, uh, hindrances, torments of the mind. And then on a higher level, as always, let me say this, and through such a working with it, you let go of identifying with it so closely, my restlessness. And you shift very sweetly into a higher level of dealing with it. You realize there is no possessor of this restlessness. It's an impersonal force jumping through you. Hmm? And all what you call you is now pulled into this restlessness. That is the power of these, these uh, hindrances. They pull all the qualities which you have, which are good and usable, and which we should use and engage for um, uh, in this um, practice of developing mindfulness. And you are left with uh, nothing except with with uh, a restlessness. And we believe, now, I have this restlessness. That's like putting legs on the snake. Because you don't have that restlessness. It just has a dance with you. It enjoys itself. Restlessness dances its own dance. Restless. So we don't need to participate. And we feel over overwhelmed, or take it even as a authority. I have now to kind of react to it and make an entertainment with that. Go into social relationship with it. You don't need to do that. You realize it was an uninvited guest, impersonal force. And it just uh, it takes all the good things away from you, engages, overpowers. And it is not so. You realize, I still know I can handle it. You recollect yourself. And now you find that pole to which you want to bind, to, to tie initially, to damn this, um, uh, to, to uh, weaken the power of this. Um, of this uh, hindrance. So the pole could be this. The pole could be uh, your feet or stand on one foot. You have to concentrate here. Or fill your mouth with, um, um, with water. Or something which you don't like and don't like to swallow. And then you just hold it there. You're much more, <laughs> much more careful. 
Oh, there's so many tricks we can do. So it, so realize all this. It's a mental factor that comes and goes. It has no. You are not the owner of it, and the possessor. You, you are just the host there, and um, it's an uninvited guest. So you just are very cool to it. Every guest who is treated in a cool way goes backwards out, doesn't want to be there. So you see, if you see all that as you are discovering this restlessness in you, this um, um, this um, hindrance, you have a different relationship to it. You deal with it, and there is no sweat necessary, no complaint necessary, and above all, there is no problem. See how we can create our problems due to our misunderstanding the whole process. Hmm? So, remember that. Number one is that we have to bring the mind to one point, concentrate it, and make it one-pointed, give it a, a, a pole to tie it on. And then after that, it's already easier. You can now give a, maybe your breathing to it, and let your breathing be the focus. And you may not feel it right away, but now you make some breathing exercises, consciously, three. Draw in very carefully, in three slow phases, do it now, through the nostrils, through a little bit of opening in the mouth, whilst your tip of your tongue is against the upper row of teeth, and you fill your lungs and hold it as long as you can. And feel that pressure. And now let that pressure release itself, give it. Let go in your throat, in your shoulders, all the way through with this full of gravity do you um, experience this, this breathing out, these sensations of releasing that breath which you were holding. Three times, also pulled in more. Mind is already more narrowed in. Hmm? That's the idea. So a single object is really necessary for that. Or you just allow, when you are here and noticed, noticing that you are inundated by it or visited, now you make a decision, after you have noticed fidgeting and that is the expression of restlessness, and dealing with that choice, running out or staying, you would have already run, but you wouldn't like to show everybody this kind of state of being of yourself. So you fidget a little bit and you are secretly all around yourself on your seat. And now you wake up, since you haven't made a decision, you will not run away. And now you say, I will be still. Sit still. Feet still sit. Hands on my knee. Don't move, hands. Hmm? Hands on my knees. And your head, you sit still there. 
and you go three times up and down to these three spots. These are the things which really move. Hmm? And you hold it. Each time you move, you squat that fly or do something else. No. And so, you, you see, it's just a your television show. <laughs> you are your own regisseur, you are director, you are the, the, the player, the, the, the actor, you are the screen, you are the television, you are the theme, everything, and the story. <laughs> You're writing constantly your screen right, your story of your own television show. Only uh, unknowingly, now we do it knowingly, for the benefit of freeing ourselves from it. It's not so gruesome, is it? And then realize everyone deals with that. And then another way is also, if you want to, want to um, go further and open up your heart to more, to greater depths to understand it, you realize human beings grow up in it and most don't know and think of the things possible which can be possibly done in this state of being. <clears throat> Together with extreme desire and the striving for, for something wonderful to happen, gratifying to happen, a great misery in the world, a great, a great deal of all the calamities and miseries have coming out of these states. Very dangerous state of being in unawareness. So you can allow now your heart to open to compassion, understand more that many hurt themselves due to not being aware of this, um, this hindrance. That all helps to bring us down and to deal and to come into a better relationship with that hindrance. Or, so you redo, reduce it to, from, and let it be transformed from a torment of the mind, a delight. That is a transformation, my dear friends. Right here I describe to you, or you can experience if you do that, the transformation of ignorance to insight, to wisdom. Transformation from ordinary consciousness, conditioned consciousness, to Dharma consciousness. Sounds good, doesn't it? So that was um, restlessness. Now we have um, the other one, and that was uh, sloth and torpor. We, we mentioned that today already. Hmm? Who, who has a question about it? What to do when it comes? How to penetrate it? How to investigate it with mindfulness? I gave you already a few hints. One was, if you feel nodding forward, allow it. Let it be felt, this tiredness. And you can allow it because there is not so great danger. You will just come down with your forehead and bumps on the floor. <laughs> and that might be the 
the moment of change, you see, <laughs> from sleepiness to awakefulness. There was a teacher, and I think Jack Cornfield mentioned that, uh, uh, I think Achan Shah was this, this teacher, that he recommended for those who were very tired to sit on the edge of the chimney on the roof <laughs> and look down, hmm? free floating, sitting there, you know. That would uh, probably bring um, wakefulness about. The, the desire to live maybe would come through so strong that you would watch and uh, wake up. Well, you know, the ordinary ones for us here, you, instead of uh, sleep, uh, hiding in the sleeping bag, whilst you are in your resting time after lunch, you or as at meals, you, you make a real vigorous walk outside. Or uh, pour a little bit whole, cold water over you. Not a warm shower, a cold one will do better. And um, what else can we do here? Stand up when you feel tiredness. And um, in standing it's more difficult to fall asleep, for you have now to watch it. Hmm? You can also further down. <laughs> so it's all just a stage before the chimney. So and that would be help. Of course, walking meditation instead of sitting meditation is very helpful. If you find yourself very tired at home, and you see your schedule is 20 minutes walk meditation from 7 in the evening to 7.30 or 7.20, and you're so tired, you cannot hold up, cannot sit up. Well, maybe you say, well, it's walking meditation I do. It's an easy one, 10 paces forward, back. Walking backwards is also very good, if you know the, the, your pathway to that wall and backwards to the, to the desk and forward. That can also help. You can do that even here in that room over there. It's very easy, especially when there are very few people. Then there's a marvelous uh, room downstairs, very cool. And uh, the, the basement has a lovely decoration, lovely Buddhas around, and tankas, and you feel very um, um, lovely enveloped by that around surrounding. It feels almost like you are in a little temple. I was amazed how beautifully it is decorated. Go down and just look uh, all the lovely uh, wall hangings and the Buddha standing, sitting, lying down, all positions there. And you. So that is one way, or among so many. Um, when we are here, and you find yourself um, in uh, being tired, you look up in the light. That's a big light over there, here too. It's all new lighting here, no? So yeah, just look up and um, see. Look into that lit up disc. Can be helpful. With, with a little bit open, staring eyes, 
helps. Yeah, um, awakening your, your system. Well, and if you find yourself you have done quite a lot of those experiments and you see you are still tired, well, then go and check um, how much you are eating. You may need to fast a whole meal. I would suggest that anyway, to allow yourself this pleasure, to experience the hunger or the appetite without having any hope to fulfill it at that time. Try it for one meal. So, and uh, so you check out and remember that tiredness is really painful when you sit. So whilst you are eating lunch, don't uh, uh, indulge. Make um, a conscious uh, resolve and act in your eating half of the usual portion. Hmm? So because tiredness has very much to do um, how much we eat with the portion we take in and eat. So, um, well, and if does, that doesn't help even, then it's time to go have a nap. <laughs> but not before. Don't skip on the exploration of the possibilities to wake up. You might uh, make a shortcut there. That is not a. <laughs> and also remember, it's a. It is a mental factor. One wouldn't think that. You see. It is the indigenous um, heaviness of matter in us, and that transmits also to the mind. Our mind also isn't trained. It's overloaded with stuff which we have a, through the senses accumulated and lived and never cleared up. So this is full and dense and heavy. It cannot really think anything, hasn't a clear vision. And this is by nature heavy to move. It's very, very heavy. Um, think of the trouble if you want to make a journey, what you all have to do to in order to transport this, this, this matter. You have to go to the, to the um, travel agent and uh, get an air ticket and stand in line at the airport and um, wait till you are called. And you have gone through lots of suffering already. Impatience and boredom and <laughs> everything has been already. And then you getting finally you find yourself being squeezed between uh, several seats to both sides and a baby crying and another one is breathing too much next to you <laughs> and then one close to you has a too fat belly and everything comes over and I have seen myself in airport airplanes like that and that's what you have to do to transport this matter to another place. <laughs> so it's heavier to move, then mind moves faster. But it almost that fast moving is also not always the best thing because it can distract itself tremendously. But it moves faster to space, look. 
you can travel to Boston and you can already be back. But you try to do that with this one. Now you have to start, I mean, with the body. You have to go, go through that whole thing. You have to call the, call the limousine or the bus or take your own car and struggle yourself through that congested this in the streets. That takes time and effort. So, and again, even in this, uh, in the experience of your tiredness and uh, um, and um, uh, sloth and torpor, or indigenousness, indigenous tiredness of the body, I think we can equate that uh, with inertia. Hmm? It's a heavy, heavy core here in us. And um, realizing it's a mental factor and it has no possessor, although it possesses us. Everything we call us at that time is totally overshadowed and engaged by this tiredness. There are very few things left. We have no energy for doing what we would like to do. We have uh, no, no, no um, feeling for it. When you have no energy, there is also this desire to do it, not there, mostly. And um, um, the initiative is uh, missing and the interest is missing. And so you are just there, a big blob, hmm? a big, big blob, sitting there. And <laughs> so, no possessor helps. Let it go, don't hold on to it by entertaining it. And as I say, when you have all explored, then you give yourself that sleep. And besides, tiredness, and of this, what we just named sloth and torpor, is, is, um, or, uh, has also its origin in our ways of doing and handling our lives. We are too active, we don't allow enough rest perhaps, and um, are not careful in that respect with ourselves and have many, uh, many jobs, um, too many duties, too many recreation jobs. Hmm? We go to gyms and to swimming and to jogging and all kinds of things. Yeah, you can exhaust yourself in that too. So it all needs a balance in order not to succumb to those uh, mental, um, to those states. With, which are very hindering for our practice and also not very conducive for a harmonious life style. Now let us go to the last. Oh, I'm sorry, there were some hands before when I started talking about um, tiredness and I said we talked a lot about it already and look, I was talking still 10 minutes, I think, at least 15, about tiredness. It's unexhaustible, are these things. 
because they are always around and always uh, also we say there is no energy when there is tiredness invading us but there is energy enough for that tiredness to to schlep itself into us hmm. so what is there still that question or there were some hands has it dissolved yeah good so then now we go to the last and that is the so, so called kalesha of doubt and that is very essential to see this one very closely uh, what doubt is for it is uh, uh, impenetrably uh, impen- impenetrable barrier on our spiritual path it can stop us cold in the practice it lets us give up the practice that doesn't mean we should under all circumstances now whether we die or we live stay with it but always after due investigation and really realize uh, what this doubt uh, where it comes from most of course an effective and insightful way of dealing with doubt well it's just to look at it again and recognize it and the very recognition will make it arise mindfulness and as you know mindfulness is the space which is not doing anything it's just facing it head on no criticizing no aversiveness no attraction no engaging in it so when doubt is present we pay full attention to the doubting mind and to the object doubting mind besides the object is not apart from the mind object and mind are together and it is called the doubting mind hmm? it's not here is the doubt and here is the mind it's a doubting mind then um, we face it and uh, re- uh, kind of accept it and realize it without identifying with it and not identifying means not um, um, giving it an ownership hmm? or not thinking it is m- me and mine and it is not the real self it's not mine and it's not what we call i to what we refer to i that i is everything the i refers to the shoulders to the face to the arm everywhere you look is i living there is no limb here or part of the body which is called i somewhere maybe you have one sticking out of your vertebrae in the back check out maybe you find it and say well i have an i it's not you see that is of course very difficult to 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 realize and before we uh, allow the mind to remind uh, to recollect our, uh, uh, itself in this fact uh, it already we already start uh, thinking about it and uh, uh, developing more doubt that doubt progresses immediately you give it attention and identify and uh, associate 
with that uh, doubting mind and with the object it has. No? So if you do it now in that uh, attitude of sitting back, seeing yourself, and acknowledge that you are acknowledging doubting mind, and realize the quality of the state of, of mindfulness. I just uh, described it. Anything you do now is not mindfulness anymore. It's just holding, feeling that doubt, realizing maybe gently where it came from. Well, if you doubt the teacher, well, maybe you need to listen more what is really being said, and uh, maybe it is not um, just because you didn't listen well and didn't understand it right, but that is not the, the uh, reason to, to stop your practice and um, to increase the doubt or about your teacher in this way. Or you can doubt it, the teacher, but see um, what aspect is it? Doesn't he or she behave according to your image? How a spiritual teacher should um, at behave? Well, then you have a reason to do. But when you feel you doubt, then you investigate a little bit more. Go and say, look, I don't know. Why do you do that? Hmm? So that you are, or you just let it go and uh, look again and see, well, but there are also lovely things I can learn. And if I listen, so then you just decide, I take that, what I feel is valuable for me, and I feel learning, I feel I'm learning and uh, get skillful in my practice. So what I just doubted doesn't, uh, is not um, a reason maybe to, to doubt the whole teaching. And if you doubt the teaching, that is another thing. Um, it's probably due, and more always is. In this case, we, it's due to not understanding some aspects or to feel the practice too difficult. And um, having not enough skill developed, so then you don't penetrate deep enough. Not enough insights are coming. There's not enough joy, so you doubt whether that is your dish of tea. If you doubt a very special aspect, or in general the teaching, that it, whether it is good, well, study it a little bit, read it, and um, see on the intellectual level what you can um, uh, here uh, develop uh, for, uh, uh, or uh, develop your understanding on the intellectual level. It's very helpful, intellectual understanding. It is, however, not good if we only rely upon it. Then we are missing the spiritual aspect again. We cannot um, do that alone, but it is helpful. And it will help you resolving that doubt about the Dharma or any issue you are doubting. You're doubting your friend. Look into it. What is that what you are doubting? Is it because you were hearing something? Are you really sure? Make sure. Investigate. Second factor of enlightenment is, is called investigation. 
is inviting us to really be active with our minds and to investigate, to get clarity on, on the level of, uh, of um, intellect uh, and rational level. But also, uh, it goes here, we are practitioners of Vipassana meditation, so it goes always along with your inner explorations, if you don't stop your practice. And um, you come into greater quiet, because doubt is also a very unquieting attitude and atmosphere. And it becomes quiet if you have understood something. Very freeing, what I understand rightly. I think Krishnamurti once said, warned his audience, it is not the effort which... uh, Bring, makes you free. It is the truth. You see, and we are talking here about the truth. Find out what really is behind all that and what makes you um, the doubt. Doubt make, it comes about because I am not sure of that what I understand and uh, I don't have the real information. So it's an uncertainty is that uh, there. And then when you do that, your understanding comes from your own clarification. And that is then feeling, um, it's a very good feeling, and uh, you act more from your own understanding and make the decisions. And you free yourself that way from doubt, very painful um, state of being. Also, it um, uh, inhibits to make good decisions also. Now, that doesn't mean that we, we shouldn't have any doubt. Actually, doubt has, in many, in many uh, cases, a very um, legitimate place. It calls us not to believe blindly everything. Let it doubt. Don't feel you shouldn't have it. And, 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 and inform yourself. The Buddha really encouraged his disciples to investigate the teaching, to doubt everything and not to believe blindly. Himself even, he exposed himself for doubt. Doubt me and challenge me. It was a hard time, but we had a hard time to do that. You would get um, um, convinced genuinely of the opposite. So now um, that is enough for these five hindrances. And um, we may just realize that uh, this little danger which uh, can come up, into which we fall, when we are um, experiencing one or two or a multiple attack of these hindrances, that we uh, have to be careful not to meet them with um, with anger, with a condemnation, with a disapproval, with an aversive 
attitude. By that we are just strengthen the very thing we want to reduce. That's not the way. No judging and, and no evaluating. Just simply observing them and recollecting yourself in the of the qualities a mindfulness has or conscious awareness has. Actually none, except brightness and calm and no activity of condemning and criticizing and clarity or wakefulness, alertness. And because there is also in that is uh, has the intellect a chance to really uh, see what is happening. And we get in that really the guidance for how to to relate and what to do with, with these hindrances. And we can wake up in that attitude as we are greeting these, which I just described, greeting these um, hindrances, we can wake up to actually more insights. You begin right there to understand more and more about it. I gave you many examples how to view um, these hindrances as an impersonal force, that there is no proprietor, that they are uninvited guests, and so on. In that attitude, you, um, you are um, s uh, protected from being overpowered by them and playing with them. And we may also realize that as long as we are allowing uh, power to these hindrances, um, it is really difficult, almost impossible, to continue in a fairly harmonious way uh, the development of insight and the development of awareness or mindfulness. You can't. You get engaged. And if we look at our lives, or just generally, just get a sense, that's what people do. That's what that's where people engage themselves mostly in aversiveness, in desires, in getting rid of their or tiredness or complaints about it, and uh, restlessness and uh, doubt. They are very strong ones. So how can insight and wisdom arise when we just wallow in those? or feel the very little pitiful victim of those. Break through, see them more clearly for what they are, and uh, be the onlooker and the genuine, authentic witness, rather than the participant of all. And that way we begin and actually we are then engaging ourselves on deeper levels in this process of freeing ourselves from conditioning, breaking through this, this crust of conditioning. 
and um, um, attain more confidence, strengthen those qualities in us, more quiet and more um, willingness and interest in uh, continuing our path of self-discovery. Hmm? Above all, <coughs> in the midst of uh, in the midst of being aware or understanding, that these are all mental factors and subject to impermanence or change, just like we ourselves are. And in this way, we sh- shed great deal of this condition and free ourselves from them. And that brings lightness into mind, into heart, more harmony and joy too. Breathe in and compassion also. You look into the world and you recognize these and look at the people and all what is created, these hindrances have their dance all the time through these human beings and uh, make wonderful headlines in magazines and all very reporting their forgetfulness of working or reporting um, the misunderstanding, it's really not forgetting, but it's a misunderstanding of this um, state of minds in us. That's what ignorance is really, misunderstanding. It's nothing wrong or bad, just understanding, not quite rightly, little we do. But make many efforts understand always a little bit more. That's why we talk about the same thing again and again. And then that forms deeper insight and that forms wisdom. Thank you for listening. Thank yourself. Bad night story that is later, and it's um, oh, we have wonderful time. Quarter past eight. Yes, it is. You have a choice. Either I read you this text, so someone wanted to know it, now it's a bit, or I read you the other text. Who knows this text, by the way? All the three, all the way through. One, two, three, four. That means knowing, not half. The first I can do too. Now we will see when we can sing that. You must come and see the artistic side here. So here, it is called, the story is called Kamada's Lament. Kamada was the name for a um, disciple of the Buddha. And you know what lament means. You will recognize your own here. 
So as you listen to it, stay wakeful, aware to your posture. Let's just keep on that. It should always be in the mind of a Vipassana meditator. And you check. You can always have it in the background as a context for that what you experience. Not here I'm sitting and I'm sitting. No. Realizing. Sitting. And you feel it in your throughout your spinal cord. You may feel it there where your hands are. You may realize it there where you are in contact with the floor. You recognize your sitting as you feel the pressure of your buttocks on the floor. You may recognize your sitting because you recognize it. And delight in knowing that that experience is in your consciousness. You know mind isn't far away, you know where it is. You have company, you're not alone. And now you can listen. You don't need, so you now begin to listen and understand, but here and then you notice that you noticed you're sitting. Tired. That is the way how we can develop more connectedness and greater strength and steadiness of mind and heart. It's the second part of the Buddha's teaching called samadhi or concentration, steadiness making steady mind and heart. So a special practice. Kamada's lament. So he comes, Kamada, to the Buddha. <laughs> so hard it is to do, Lord. It is so very hard to do, the Buddha. But still, they do what's hard to do who steady themselves with virtue. For one pursuing homelessness, content arrives, and with it joy. That was his answer. So his lament was dead right away. Now here's another one. So hard it is to get, O Lord, this content of which you speak. But still, they get what's hard to get, who delight in a tranquil mind, the mind of those, both day and night, delight, delights in its development. He doesn't give up. So hard it is to tame, O oh Lord, this mind of which you speak. Well, but still they tame what's hard to tame. Who delight in senses at peace, cutting through mortality's net, the nobles, Kamada, proceed. 
so hard it is to go, O oh Lord, on this path that gets the rough. Still, nobles, Kamada, proceed on path both rough and hard to take. Those who are less than noble fall on their heads when the path gets rough. But for nobles, Kamada, the path is smooth. For nobles, smooth out what is rough. That's what you are doing with me together, smoothing out what is rough. making the path smooth. For nobles proceed on paths both rough and hard to take. See yourself.
in the direction toward self-discovery. May we all have a restful sleep, sweet dreams and oneness with the river that flows within you and the air that you breathe and the fire that glows through you. May you awake to a happy day again. Shall we take a moment for sending these wishes to your dear ones you have left behind? Bless them with your metta for a sweet sleep, a restful one, a healing sleep for all defilements which torture their minds. May they be healed or reduce the power of these defilements or hindrances through a deep, restful sleep. Ah. Uh.